Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. In this episode, Patrick Cabello Hansel presents on his book, The Devouring Land. Our next uh, presenter I have already mentioned, I think, is our first poet to be featured in a Book Hub event. Patrick Cabello Hansel is a recently retired pastor of multilingual congregations in the Bronx, Philadelphia, and Minneapolis. And he has two collections of poetry published so far, but today we are featuring The Devouring Land, which has um, lots of imagery about immigration in there. Okay, well, it's about time that you have a poet in the book club, so I can say. Um, so um, I'm going to bring up an image. Uh, the church that my wife and I served for 15 years had a youth photography program. Um, and they did, they've did they done uh, eight shows, I think. And so the question that I want us to think about is when we see immigrants or when we hear the word immigrant, what is the story that we perceive? Um, because the story, the narrative that's in the in the political arena too often is the the story of uh, immigrants are you know criminals. They come here legally. They bring diseases. They are uh, uh, lazy. Well, they're both lazy and they um, take our jobs. And so um, a lot of what's in this book and then also the other book is our um, stories are the narratives of people. Uh, in situations where um, we can see a fuller image of, of what an immigrant is. So that this little, this little um, shot is kind of to help us think about what are we really seeing and who are we listen, listening to? There's a poem about First Communion for, for um, children of the undocumented and, and this, is, this is one of those children. So um, I also thought I'm going to bring up um, the poems because poems are a little more dense in terms of words so that if um, you can follow along, this will work. Um, the first two poems I'm going to read are people that um, are about people that I met in the congregation and I um, have changed the names for obvious reasons. Um, and this first one is what happens to a, a family when um, making that uh, tremendously difficult uh, uh, journey across the desert. It's called Keep Moving. We belong to the dust. The dust belongs to no one. Ask the bones of Domingo, who crossed into Arizona with his six-year-old son, walking through the mountains, avoiding the desert snakes and the eyes burning a hole through the sky. On the third day, they ran out of water. And on the fourth, Domingo began to run out, his skin tightening, his eyes wandering through heaven and earth, the heaven you make in your mind when flesh begins to die, skin for skin, bone to its bone, the heart's fierce surrender. There comes a moment in time where the mind can accept what the body knows. We belong to the sun. The sun belongs to no one. Domingo placed his right hand on his son's head, drew a crooked cross, commanded him on. The son obeyed with his feet. The last order of the living is the first wish of the dead. Keep moving. 
the second poem is is um, it's about a family that, that included the one of the strangest weddings I did in 35 years as a pastor. It was on uh, Good Friday, which you don't usually do weddings on Good Friday, and it was in the Immigration Detention Center in Bloomington, Minnesota. Um, it's a, a Chinese-American family. Uh, the man came from China in uh, 2002, applying for asylum. And that's, of course, right after 9-11. And so it got much stricter to prove that. But he had a lawyer um, who's no longer a lawyer because the lawyer took his money and didn't uh, do anything, didn't give him um, a notice about a trial date. And so when he got a speeding ticket, uh, his warrant came up and he was arrested. Um, him and his wife uh, own a, a little um, Chinese restaurant where they worked, um, you know, you start a restaurant 12, 15 hours a day, and they had a little baby. Um, and so he made a little um, box under the counter for Abigail to, to, um, to live in. Um, he was eventually deported. Um, he was able to come back, and Abigail is now 11 years old. But unfortunately, their restaurant was burned down in one of the riots here this summer in Minneapolis. So um, they're looking to see where they can start out. So this is Abigail Lives in a Box. Abigail lives under the counter in a box her father made before he was hauled off to deportee detention. She stares at her mother's legs as she takes orders back to the kitchen, brings steaming plates of General So and happy family out to customers. Abby is the Buddha of chopsticks and steamed rice, the two alphabets of her family dancing over a greasy walk. She is Bodhisattva's cat licking her paws. Abigail will grow her wings and words as an American. Her feet may walk the halls of Congress. Her hands build bridges that have washed away. But consider for now her monkey shod toes squirming around in footsie pajamas. Consider her hands loves, love of noses, the coo of pardon she makes with her voice, the soft furnace of her sleep. Abigail is not angry that she lives under the counter in a box. Months go by, onions are chopped, petitions fail, lips spill soup on the small tables. Abby can still smell her father's hands laying carpet in her little cell, tacking soft fabric to the wall, sinking each wayward nail. There is comfort in a job well done. There is family like sweat and wind. This is, uh, next one is one of my favorite poems. Um, it's gotten more uh, meaningful even to me during this time of COVID when we can have communion physically together. Um, and, but for many of the immigrants who come uh, to the United States who uh, where the parents may be undocumented and the children are citizens born here, um, also special celebration like First Communion um, cannot involve the padrinos or godparents or a lot of the other uh, family members um, who are um, unable to come here. Um, and, and so this was one I wrote for um, the, those children and their families. First communion for the children of the undocumented. I press the bread in the hands of the children whose parents have chosen to breathe today. Christ burrows into their skin like a desert animal seeking shelter. Yesterday, we blew on the yeast, 
kneaded the flour on the flat stone table, baked the bread in the old church oven, practiced marching down the aisle, bowing, saying amen, keeping our eyes on the cross so we don't look at our friend who makes us giggle. Each morning, their parents look over their shoulders as they prepare for work. Knives, brooms, bedpans, shingles. A knock, a face at the window, and the children fly. Everyone knows where the papers are stashed, the phone numbers, the money, the drought. Take and eat. The children dip the bread into the blood red cup, wait till the drops fall off the rim, smile. Their eyes are migrating birds nesting in the earthen banks of their scented cheeks. Wings will not wait. Take and drink. They seem a bit out of place, these children, with this bit of God in their hands, brilliant in white suits and dresses, veils and rosaries and Bibles, kneeling at the altar, their padrino's heart, hands rest on their shoulders like seraphim about to strike. Um, this <clears throat> next poem is called La Natividad, and, um, which means the nativity. And for several years, we did uh, the Posada, which is the, uh, the Mexican Central American procession where M Mary and Joseph, Maria and Jose go through the, through the neighborhood knocking on, on doors and um, asking for Posada and they get rejected and it's set up ahead of time. And then at the last place, um, they're welcomed in and, and that's where the party happened. And we did this with a, with a um, giant mask and puppet company called Heart of the Beast where um, every night between 200 and sometimes 300 people and walked with Maria and Jose through the neighborhood and um, and then came into the church. But we included in the Christmas story, the story of Herod trying to stop the birth of Jesus. And um, and also it was it was done with a, 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 ca a cast that was uh, from the neighborhood, um, immigrants mostly, including some who are undocumented. And, uh, you know, you asked the question, Leanne, about Heidi, how people in the church reacted to something like that, <clears throat> not from our church, but from another person who came to the event, asked, why did we, why did we include immigration into the Christmas story? And so fortunately, I did not have to respond to her because I would just said, well, here, read Luke and Mark, just the first couple chapters and tell me if you don't see it in there. So anyway, this, in, in La Natividad, the story, this procession, which ends with a birth um, a revealing of a baby uh, starts at a tortilla shop in the neighborhood. La Natividad. Maria, you shop for tortillas, the tongue's comfort, a bed to lay the evening meal upon. One eye out for la migra, one ear cocked for a shout, a boot, a hard knock on the door. You hear the bells of tricky angels troubling, you listen to the voice of God that tells you your womb is a quarry of bright diamonds, a pond bearing wounded fish into the world. How do you explain that to a man who spends his days talking to wood? Finally, you walk together and alone. You take your feet and the child feasting on your darkness and you carry into the night trusting that the dust you walk on, the water you caress with your eyes is the same dust, the same dew God used to make the world, 
to make the man and woman one and apart and free. You cross a bridge, you don't look back. You march into the wholly abandoned rock where beasts assemble and you wait. One by one, the heavenly beings return with four paws and two, with wings and fins and feathers, gather to watch the little one burst from you and keep the silence love requires. Look, Maria, listen, the voice of God upon your lips, even your screams turn the stars into dancing. And this one, it kind of reflects that the first baby Jesus we had, who was born here, his father was uh, voluntarily deported, which is one of the most macabre um, terms I've ever heard. But um, he was picked up and um, was given the option of uh, self-deporting so that um, he could maybe apply to come back in 20 years from Mexico. Um, his his wife was still here. His his daughter came who came here at eight months is now a dreamer um, going to Saint Olaf, um, and this little baby Jesus, the first one, was um, um, was born here. So he's a citizen. So this is um, my wife, co-pastor, and I went to the airport to see him off, and this is this is that story. Baby Jesus' dad got deported for D. He wasn't old. He wasn't wrong. He wasn't slick. He was just there. He was there riding a train. He was there grilling a steak. He was there picking up trash. He was there lying next to his wife, the moonlight soft, the whisper slow. Baby Jesus' dad got deported. We saw him off at the airport, forehead blessings, tears, promises of return. There isn't much you can say to the baby Jesus when the baby knows it all. The nation will survive without baby Jesus' dad. The stake will be a bit overdone. The reading and math a bit slow. The nighttime drops of liquid moon will float and flee before the dawn. Baby Jesus' dad got deported. He took his shoes off. He emptied his pockets into the plastic tub. He raised his hands for the magic wand. He squeezed himself into the air. Wave goodbye, baby Jesus wave until your arm grows thorns. Patrick, I might pause you there. Um, yeah. Ask you a question. Um, this has a very different feeling to it um, than Heidi's reading, than the stories from within a church life. And I, I wonder if you have a concise thought on how art and poetry um, can open up ways of expressing things that are really hard to express, especially about um, these really painful stories. Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about that. I'm not sure they're that concise, but um, <laughs> right. um, I think one of the things, both my wife and I are pastors and artists. And so from it throughout our ministry together, we've utilized that because, um, people, particularly people who, who are told they're not worth 
anything, that they're the wrong color, the wrong language, the wrong status, have an incredible story to tell and a great artistic talent. So we actually started a literary magazine in the neighborhood that goes out to 6,000 homes and is written only by people that live or work in the neighborhood. Um, all the photographs are done by young people. I just think, and we've done like 30 some mural, well, I was saying we, we've tired now, but the church did 35 some, some um, murals in the, uh, in the neighborhood. Um, and I, I, people get engaged in art. I mean, look, what, look what happened with George Floyd and all the art that has been uh, generated by that and has come forward with that. So, um, and I think there's also, we, we, um, we utilize art as healing that there is, there is something that art does in terms of healing from trauma that uh, is unmatched by other kinds of therapies. It opens you up in a way that, that allows you to get to painful stuff without being overwhelmed. So that's part of my take on that.